All right, boys, let's end some history. Welcome back to Alpha Bunga Bunga. My name is Alex Hochuli. It's Thursday, the 7th of January, and I'm here with, as usual, Philip Cunliffe and George Hoare. And uh, Daniel Bessner is here to talk to us about uh, our, one of our favorite topics, about the end of history, and specifically about Francis Fukuyama and his intellectual trajectory. Uh, hello, everyone. Hello. Good evening. Yeah, this has been a little bit artificial just because we've just been recording this other episode, um, which you, listener, will already have heard, no doubt, um, talking about, uh, well, previewing the Biden administration. So we're continuing on from that, but uh, we're just uh, mounting this facade, uh, which which suggests that we have just started recording and we've just started speaking to each other. But we're all nicely warmed up, greased up and ready to, to slide into this conversation about Fukuyama. So let's get started. Uh, Fuku, Francis Fukuyama. That's how, I, that's how I prepare for all the conversations. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so uh, Fukuyama famously declared the end of history in a 1989 National Interest article, um, which then he elaborated upon in a 1992 book. Uh, he was pilloried for this, not so much at the time, but but uh, afterwards because events happened um, and people thought that Francis Fukuyama had meant that there would be no more events, that no more big things would happen. Um, and when things then did happen, like 9-11 or like uh, the global financial crisis, they turned around and said, hey, look, stuff's happening. Um, but that is probably a misinterpretation of what Francis Fukuyama was uh, originally arguing. So, Daniel, maybe tell us why that's the case. Sure. So before we get into the famous The End of History, which I believe had a question mark um, and the original title. Um, and I wanted to highlight that because these types of arguments are a recurring theme in post-1945 American history. Perhaps most famously, I believe it was Edward Schills in 1955 who wrote an article titled The End of Ideology? Question mark. But when the, the articles always have the question mark, but when the book comes out, the question mark is removed. I'm not sure that says so much about the intellectual development so much as you know when you publish a book you need to have big statements and about the publishing industry in general yeah. so i just wanted to emphasize that question mark because i think it's critical <clears throat> but before we even get into that i want to tell people who francis fukuyama was before he wrote that famous essay because i think it's critical to understand what type of person fukuyama was because it, it's critical to understand what type of class he came from um so fukuyama Basically, he, he got a PhD from Harvard um, with a, a, a dissertation about Soviet policy in the Middle East. Um, and I believe it was defended in 1979. And the first job he got after uh, graduating with his PhD was not as an academic, but he was a, um, an analyst for the, the RAND Corporation. And of course, the Rand Corporation is the first national security think tank in American history, uh, and really the institution that made think tank what it was, a place for academics and intellectuals, some with PhDs, some without, to come and bring their, you know, their analytical skills to bear on international politics initially, and then other issue areas uh, over the course of the 20th century. It started as a national security think tank and then goes into domestic issues. But anyway, Fukuyama spent the first decade of his career as basically a specialist on what 
what at the time was called the Third World, and in particular, Soviet Third World foreign policy. So the first, you know, dozen or so, I, I forget the precise number, but he actually has very helpfully for the historian, he has a list of all of his publications on his website. Um, the first things Fukuyama wrote were all essentially about the Soviet Union in the, in the Third World, uh, initially focused on the Middle East, um, defined capaciously as from Egypt to Afghanistan, essentially, you know, the classic America, Middle East, <laughs> uh, including Central Asia. He spends, uh, in, 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 in one of his, the first or second year of his time at Rand, he goes to Pakistan and Afghanistan and is meeting with all these officials and is talking about the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, uh, talking about the Soviet, you know, um, interactions in the third world from the 1950s. So he's really someone who began his career as a Sovietologist, as someone who was focusing on the Soviet Union in this great grand struggle of the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union, and in particular, focusing on what would appear to be sort of this worldwide attempt by the Soviet Union to, to take over the, the developing world. And in particular, <clears throat> Fukuyama arrives at a very interesting time in history the 1970s and 1980s, where the Soviet Union seems to be embracing ideological struggle more than it did before. So if you look at what Khrushchev, um, Stalin's own thing, let's bracket Stalin for a period, but if you look at what the Soviet Union was doing in the 50s and the 60s, it's aligning with basically third world nationalist regimes, whether or not they're they're communist. Um, what happens in the 1970s and 1980s, at least to Fukuyama, at least to people in the United States who don't have access to Soviet documents, is that they're very, they're, they're more consciously trying to build Marxist national parties. So there's this re-ideologicization of the Cold War in the minds of people like Fukuyama in the 1970s and 1980s that mirrors the type of ideological politics of the, the, the high, what Andrew Stevenson, uh, or maybe not even him, but what people think of as the high Cold War, the initial 1950s decade of, of this ideological struggle. So I think I just wanted to say that context is critical because there's a reason that Fukuyama is so obsessed with ideology because he built his career arguing that the Soviet Union has taken an ideological turn that is focused on building Marxist vanguard parties throughout what we would today call the global south. So I just wanted to give that context, but I've been talking no, for a while. No, that's, that's, that's really useful. Um, There's one on, just before that, I just, just as a matter of interest, um, apparently, so he was um, the family, or at least his father, was interned um, during the Second World War, Fukuyama's father as a Japanese-American. No, that, that's kind of yeah, interesting. Um, and that, like, obviously, he uh, identifies with the American empire despite that, um, which is which is interesting. Um, but maybe we'll leave that to, to his biographers. Um, so yeah. I, obviously, as someone keenly aware of what Daniel's called the, the ideologization of, of the Cold War and, and the Soviet Union's ramping up of, of support for third world liberation movements and, and so on, um, he reaches this point, I guess, in, in 1989, maybe he's already gestating these ideas earlier, um, to write this article suggesting maybe we're reaching the end of history as, you know, um, as the Soviet Union and that whole historical experiment comes to a close. And not just the Soviet Union comes to a close as, as a, as a state. Of course, it, it, I don't think Fukuyama could have known at that stage that the Soviet Union itself would fall apart. Um, but just, something perhaps even grander than that, than the whole idea of socialism coming to an end and that leaving only liberal democracy uh, as the only option standing and that that would be in some sense a closure on, on the history books that 
from then on in, only this liberal democracy uh, would exist and that you might have little variations here and there, but that was basically it. Um, but I, but I, with that in mind, I wanted to discuss this idea of his misinterpretation, right? Um, and maybe Daniel, um, or indeed George or Phil, if you want to jump in on, on how maybe Fukuyama has been misinterpreted um, and what he actually meant by the end of history. 